Welcome to the Broker Growth Accelerator, where we discuss how real estate brokers can accelerate their growth by improving their agent recruiting and retention. I'm your host, Jim Turner, and today we'll discuss growth tactics with our special guest, who is a subject matter expert in the industry. Let's go ahead and get started. So today on the show, we're excited to have Aaron, and he's going to share some valuable best practices around growing your brokerage that he's gained through his 20 years of ex experience in real estate. So, hey, Aaron, welcome to Broker Growth Accelerator. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So just let's maybe just start out. Could you maybe give our audience a brief intro of yourself and maybe tell folks, you know, where you live and how you got into the real estate business? Sure. I just got on parole. No, I'm just kidding. So I've been doing real estate now a little over 20 years. Like you said, I'm, we have a brokerage in Salt Lake City, Utah. Currently, as we're filming right now, we are... We have five offices. We have about 180 some odd agents right now, and it's been kind of a fun journey. We've uh, we started as a, an independent. We franchised about seven years ago, and we're just continuing to grow that and see what we can do. And how's it going since you switched from independent over to the franchise? That's good. I mean, like everything has its challenges, and I think for us, it was it wasn't like a challenge of switching to the, the franchise. The franchise enabled us to create some opportunities to change around the ownership a little bit of who owned the company. And we bought out the founder with that ability to do that. And uh, we just kind of built the company up a little bit more since that point, because uh, at that time there were maybe 50 agents and, uh, and we've kind of grown that and we kind of built the culture significantly since that time. And so when were you at the 50 to get to kind of where you are now, just so folks know the time frame? Yeah, I would say 50 was, we were kind of at a place about, because I mean, there's been, there's been critical milestones during our journey and there's like so many light lessons learned. I mean, who needs a Harvard education when you can pay for that same education in other ways financially? It would be a school of hard knocks, right? Yeah. Like that's that school is like a, it's a, it's expensive at times, but we've made plenty of mistakes along the way. But I would say that we were one of the, one of the key points was about four, about four years ago, we were at kind of like this spot. We were sitting at about 70 some odd agents and we were really trying to figure out like what are the, what's the recipe to get us to go to the next level. And, and there are some key things that kind of helped to push us forward. And there've been different moments and we're at one of those moments right now in our business where we're really right on the verge of like exponential growth, which is exciting. And so how do you know you're at that verge? What, what are the, like, what are the, what are, what are the tells and you know, what's your plan to kind of exploit that? That's a good question. I think it, you can like, you can like feel it in the air. I'm just, I mean, honestly, like, it's like a, it's, it's, there's like different moments where you, what I've noticed at least personally is that Every time my brokerage is moving forward, the bottleneck is always going to be me as the leader of the company. Like I'm the one holding it back at all times. And when I am finally able to let go of different things, it just lets things flow better. And I, and what we've done over the last several months is put hired some key people, brought the right people, like the systems in place that are going to kind of allow things to move forward. And. And honestly, the more I move out of the way from different aspects of it, it then the, the, I'm not the bottleneck anymore for the company's right. growth. 
Yeah, so one of my coaches talks about buying back your time. And he's, he basically says exactly what you did, but you need to, the way that you grow is you don't hire people to handle a function, you hire people to buy back your time to work on more valuable things, and they take the less valuable things. And so it sounds like you're kind of buying back your time by bringing in leadership. Yeah. So what do you think, you know, Sorry. like what's the, what is, what is the, what are the functions you're trying to bring in and, and what's the sequence? Because I think the sequence matters too. Like, yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple of things that I've like noticed and learned over the last little bit. One of them is, I mean, typically with a brokerage, you're watching your P and L and you're watching like what, like how you can piece things together and, and running a brokerage is not the most profitable business model of all models out there. I mean, it's just like right. the agents make the majority of the money as a broker. You're trying to figure out like, how do I, how do I fit this in? I've got payroll. I've got, if I'm, if I've got brick and mortar, I've got expenses of, and those are costly different pieces. And when the thing that I've really taken to heart is hiring people where we want to be versus where we are currently. So we've made some significant improvements on the, the level and quality of people that we brought on board because right. we are planning on them paying for themselves and more with the direction of where we're headed. Right. And that's something I've absolutely found in business that if you hire people knowing that it might be a stretch, the, the more senior people are typically the people that are going to pay for themselves, right? But if you hire more junior people, they're the ones that are going to be a more of a cost. Whereas the more senior, right? If it, even if it's a little bit of a leap and it's an aspirational hire, if they bring in kind of the leadership capabilities, they're the ones that are going to figure out how to grow the revenue and, and cover, cover their costs basically. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so, you know, obviously, a, you know, we're in a software company serving real estate brokerages. It's a little different, but you know, there's kind of a good sequence of certain roles that are less strategic that you should try to buy back your time from first, right? Like, so any kind of administrative tasks, that's the first to find, you know, get your EA, right? And hand over those, right? And then you work your way up and keep, try to keep yourself in the more strategic roles while you're buying back the time by hiring people to do the less strategic stuff. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's a, a one of the thought leaders in time management was a gentleman named Peter Drucker, who wrote many books and he's kind of seen as a leader in that. And he would work with Fortune 500 companies. And when he was brought in, the first thing he would do is he'd have a stack of three by five cards. You'd have those CEOs use that stack and they'd have to write down on each card what they did on that 15 minute increment. So he'd have them write down every 15 minutes what they did. And then he would come back two weeks later and they would go through that stack of three by five cards and really, and really analyze and, and take a catalog of where time was being allocated to give some real awareness of how time was being spent. And for me, my role really is to be the chief vis visionary person in the company. Like I'm the one who has the big picture ideas. I'm the one who's creating the direction and, and, the, and the culture is kind of resonates off of where I'm headed. Now I, coming up with ideas is never a problem for me. And I, and one of the key things we've done is bring somebody on board who's kind of been promoted into a, a, a leadership role to be kind of my number two, to be an, like an integrator, to be someone who can put, put in place like all the different ideas and kind of hold at bay some of the ideas that maybe not right now is not the right time to do them. And then finding the right leadership team to kind of supplement all that. And so based on the terms you just gave, are you a fan of EOS? Does that sound like- they Yeah, we, we, read the, we read the book Traction last year and it like it really resonated and we kind of moved into that direction using EOS as a 
as a process and a system. And we kind of started to do that last December. And a lot of my friends in real estate use that system too. I didn't realize that at the time, but I've like come to come to know many of my close associates across the country are using that model. Right. And we're, we're, we actually are kind of on that same journey. So we started down the path in spring. Uh, oh, cool. So I'm, a, I'm in a, uh, a coaching group with other software founders and uh, several of them recommended that we take a look at that. And we started adopting it in spring and I've seen, you know, great results. So absolutely. Your L10 meetings, you got your quarterly, yeah, so you're, like, your big rocks, everything you're working on. That's really good. Yeah, no, great. And so out of those, you know, you know the, the traction tool set, like which ones do you find most valuable? I think what's, what it's done for us is it's be, been able to simplify the process and it's really kind of narrowed down our leadership team a little bit to find out where people are at, but putting some accountability in place. And one of the things that I've really realized is that we had a lot of expectations, but we weren't inspecting what we expected. And having like real inspection on what our expectations are, like that's really not my strength. As a, as a leader, I'm not like, I'm not the best at that. I just kind of expect people to do what they're supposed to do. And, but that doesn't always hold weight. And so I needed to bring people in who could kind of help to facilitate that and make sure that things are getting done what was supposed to get done. Yeah. And for us, I would say, I mean, we're still kind of on the journey and we haven't conquered everything. The L10 meetings in particular, definitely not fully cracked, but the things that we've seen a lot of value out of are the, the weekly scorecard with everybody has a number and it just brings a huge amount of clarity around the, you know, figuring what the funnel is. Everybody owns kind of a step and it's very clear who owns it. And also what you need to, you know, how do you hire for someone that will be successful? And it's also clear, like if there's a bottleneck where it is essentially. Mm -hmm. And so that's been great for us. Yeah, it's, it's good. And then you, and you've got like different people over different roles and they, and they know who's, who's being held accountable to who, and you've got that all lined up, which is a huge help. Right, right. Great to hear, great to hear. So the uh, the integrator term was, was the tell there for sure, so. Um, yeah, I didn't want to say too much. I mean, but that's like, that is, I mean, I like the, the for, and for, there might be people watching this, they're like, EOS, I don't even understand any of this garbage. Like I would say like the, like my role, like the easiest way to explain it to my agents is that, like I'm like a, a really good starting pitcher like I come out, I come, I start, I've got like a strong arm. I'm good at those first couple innings. I like, I can throw the ball pretty hard. And when it gets like about the sixth inning, I kind of start to like, eh, let's maybe I'm kind of tired of this game and let's go start another game. And like, I just needed a bullpen to come in and like finish the game out for me. And so I've got, like, I went and hired someone who's like my Mariano Rivera. I know I don't like the Yankees, I'm a Cubs, Cubs fan, but <laughs> I needed someone to come in and like close out the game because I was like ready for the next game. I was ready for the next game. So I was amazing, amazing at starting things. So good at starting things with it, like, like and getting things off the ground. Right. But then I just got bored of it or I just got kind of like, eh, I don't know. I'm off to the next one. I need someone who could take things across the finish line. And that's been a, a, a real game changer for us as a company. Right, right, right. Well, and for those listening that aren't sure what we're talking about, so you can go out to Amazon. There's a book called Traction by uh, Gina Whitman. And yeah. If you just, or if you just Google EOS traction, you'll kind of find it. There's yeah, multiple great. books, but that's the first one. So. That's a good one. And then, like, then you'll probably jump into Rocket Fuels, the next one that kind of talks about the relationship that the leadership has. And about, yeah, really good books. Yeah, awesome.
so kind of moving on. So you're out in the Salt Lake City area. Like, how how's the market there now? Always exciting. Salt Lake's an interesting market. I mean, we we went through some crazy growth over the last couple of years. I mean, we were it was us competing with Boise pretty much for the number one and number two slots for the last couple of years. It's like for appreciation and growth and a lot of different metrics. Still a lot of people moving here and a lot of growth because we have a lot of in-growth population from people having kids here and, and the different population size growing. But it has been, I mean, our inventory's increased a lot lately with the market making some adjustments, which is, I've, I'm excited about it. I mean, we've been preaching and talking about this to our agents for the last couple of years and it's like finally coming true what we have been talking about. And I'm, I mean, I had a call this morning with with about 30 of my agents and we just, I was just, man, this is awesome. Like, I like it for many different reasons, but, but yeah, it is, it is, it's changed dramatically over the last several months. Right. And I'm out in, in Denver, which is a pretty similar market. We're probably, we might be a little ahead of you in terms of kind of appreciation and, but you know, trees don't throw to the sky. Right. And, you know, at some point it's going to, revert back to the averages, right? And the, the amount of growth that we've seen in the last few years just isn't sustainable long-term. So without, just, without us, you know, our currency going into complete hyperinflation. Wages, wages just haven't gone up enough to justify the prices. So that's the right. challenge. That makes it uh, tricky. And so I'm guessing some of your agents out there are maybe a little worried by those changes. How do you kind of coach them on, you know, the, the opportunities, you know, challenges bring opportunities. How are you coaching them on what those opportunities are out there. Well, the two things I would focus on, number one, is that over the last couple of years, you had a lot of people who have had success in real estate because the market just allowed that to, to occur. Like you didn't, it didn't take any real special skills, didn't really take any real like market knowledge to slap a sign outside. And some of you even need a sign. You just like threw a house in the MLS and then magically you had multiple offers and people paying over price and or over the list price. And, and then you have people posting on social media, look, I'm the greatest ever. Look at how easy it was. And look how much money I made these people. And, but to, to me, to, for any of them in the industry, I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing magical those agents did to like create those results. And the hard part is a lot of people have kind of built their business around like the simplicity of how easy that process was. It's like a, a person going to the gym and they're lifting weights, but there's no weight on the bar. They're just lifting an empty bar and they're like, look how, look how fit I am. And they just haven't had any challenges to that. And so now that we're moving to a market that like now it's kind of a little bit different deal. Those people who are kind of used to running a race downhill with the wind at their back are like, oh, this is kind of going uphill a little bit, or there's some hills and it's a little bit more challenging. So what's what I love about this market moving forward is that I look at it as the, a great reshuffling. Like it's like the reshuffling of the deck and people are gonna be dealing these cards back out and it's gonna create a lot of opportunity for people to really find success. And it's gonna reward the people who are showing up that are doing the basic things and, they, and they're, be, they're being consistent with it. And now you're gonna see people who are successful because they've earned that success. Whereas before you saw success and it was just, I don't, I don't know if it wasn't, I wouldn't say it's not totally earned. It just was like some of those people just didn't even know what they were doing and they still were raising trophies to the sky because of how well they were doing. But that, that changes now that like, that becomes a whole different ball game now. Right. And so you said, you know, before the discussion or, you know, before the discussion started, you were interviewing an agent. So 
what are you looking for? You know, what are the kind of agents that you want to hire now and why? So that they can kind of thrive in that new environment. Are you looking for certain levels of production, personality traits? Like what is predictive of success? And, you know, that you look for and maybe also what has changed? Is there is there kind of a different profile that you're looking for now than maybe a year ago? Yeah, I mean, I I would admit when I first started in this the role and like stepping into a broker, like a like a leadership role in the brokerage and becoming a broker, I was a terrible recruiter. Like I, in the beginning, like I was I was not good. Like I messed up in a lot of appointments. <laughs> Looking back on some of those conversations, like no wonder they didn't join us. I was an idiot. Like I mean, there's like some dumb stuff I did, and and there were times that like I thought I could pick a, who would be a good agent. Like I still would be like that one. Go, that one's amazing. They're gonna like they're gonna knock it out of the park. And other ones like I don't know about that one, but eh, we'll give them a shot. And it's like it is amazing to see how wrong I am so many times. But I would say that the things that I've noticed that I'm looking for when I would like when I get someone sitting by me in a, in a conference room and I'm interviewing and talking to them. Number one, I'm looking for people who, I mean, it's, it's hard to tell us in an interview, but I'm looking for people who have integrity. I'm looking for people who have empathy. I'm looking for people who are kind. Cause I've just noticed like, I'm, I feel like I'm a pretty good instructor. I'm a pretty good teacher, but I can't teach that stuff. Right. Like I can't teach people how to care about other people. I can't teach them how to be kind. Like I like really look at like how they treat our office staff when they come in. I want to watch how they treat people who are quote unquote below them in their minds. I want to see like how that interaction is. And then the questions I ask, I, I, I ask a lot more questions on when have they had times in their life where where the where the odds were stacked against them and what happened in those times? I want to hear about times where they had challenges. What are some of their biggest challenges? I want to see like how they responded to those. I want to kind of hear their story of what they did. I, I'm looking for grit. Like I'm so looking for people who fought for something they really want. I want to hear what their fighting ability is on that. I'm looking for conversations around places they've worked at before that they didn't like the leadership. I asked them like, tell me about some like examples of bad leadership that you've seen. And don't tell me about like what the bad leadership was, but just tell me about your experience with it. Like, how did you handle that? Like, what was like your, like, how, what was your relationship with that job because of the bad leadership or, and what I'm looking for in that is I'm looking for victim mentality. I'm looking for people who are like, well, I had this job, but I hated it because the boss was terrible. And like, I just, I had to get out of there because I just hated everything about it. And everybody else was a jerk. And I was like, didn't like it. And like, I'm looking for people who like the, they've been wronged by the world and like nothing will ever be right because of how they've been treated in their minds. Versus people who just take some sort of accountability and, and to see if, because then the question I'm going to ask them is like, if you could go back and do anything different, what would you do different? Would you do anything different? Like, how would you treat that experience? I want to see if there's some sort of emotional growth that people have had. And probably a far off one is I asked them about like their, like growing up. I asked them about their, their, um, their youth, I asked them about their teenage years. I asked them if they did anything outside of school. Cause what I'm looking in that space is I'm looking for people who did sports or did music or did other, other activities. What I'm trying to find are people who did things when their body didn't want to do it. Like did they, like when their body was like, I don't know, I'd rather play video games. I'd rather just sit home and just relax. Like did they, do they have like a, is there a chip in them? Is there like a fire behind them? It would be like, you know what? My body doesn't feel like it. 
I did this anyway. Like I did something where I didn't want to do it. Cause that's, I just feel like there's like, there's some key moments in real estate that you just don't want to show up and it's really easy. especially division one, they will be amazing. Um, one of my best hires was, he was the coach of the soccer team at Indiana University. And he was just so calm under pressure, so well composed, amazing at building relationships, but just always, whatever he said he was gonna do, he got it done and everybody loved him. So, and I think, you know, like that breeds that, that kind of environment. So, but even if they're not at that, that division one collegiate level, yeah. I think it, you know, even through high school and college, I think it does. Is, is yeah, that, got, you see the same thing? Yeah, like I, I mean, I look at my son right now. I've got I've got four kids, and I've got a thirteen year old who's playing football right now, and right. and he just gets hammered by the coach. Like he's like he, my son's playing center. He like plays on the offensive line, and right. like he had a practice two days ago, and that team just got reamed by the coach. It's like going at him. Yeah. And I, I thought, well, you got in the car, we we're driving home. And he was just like all sullen and he was just kind of like distraught. And I said, and he's like, oh, so I'm like, dude, this is amazing for you. <laughs> I know you hate it, but the fact that you're like putting up with this stuff right now and the fact that you're going to go to practice again tomorrow, it's like, this is amazing for your personal growth because so many other people would just be like that jerk. I'm never going to go back. I'm out. I'm not going to do it. Like you're going to have times in life when the, people say things to you and you're like, and like in the end, your coach is just saying that because he has no other better, he has no other way of like lighting you guys up. He, he just, he can't, he can't spank you. He can't like hold you hostage. Like he's not like, he's limited to like verbal assaults on you. And that's all he's got. So he's just trying to like, fire in you guys. I love that. So, I, you know, I'm very sympathetic because I have a, actually a 13 year old and 15 year old daughter, 13 year old son, 15 year old daughter. And so the son's involved in soccer, the daughter's involved in field hockey. And so she's the 15 year old. She just went out to try out for field hockey and missed getting on the varsity team. And they put her on the JV team. And, and it was tough for her coming to grips with that because she had some friends that made varsity. But honestly, you know, it's kind of hard for them to understand it, but it's some of the best lessons that you can learn, right? That are gonna generate kind of modesty and humility and the desire to, to achieve, right? Because now she really wants to get on varsity next year, right? And she's gonna be highly focused on that achievement. Yeah, we, just, we live in a world where it's interesting. Like I, like I'm trying to find people to join the brokerage who do not feel some sort of entitlement. Like I want people to have like some hunger. And I want people to like like fight for what they really want, and they, I'm looking for that. And there's we live in a world where like a lot of people just think they they're owed something. And right. And real yeah. estate, is, they're, they're not owed anything when it comes to real estate. That's just, that doesn't well, work. So I assess that in a little bit different way, which is, it comes from a book called Top Grading, which is kind of a methodology around hiring that I read, I don't know, a decade or so ago. And I, I don't apply the whole thing, but there were a couple of gems out of it. But one of them that I found super helpful was you ask everybody, okay, who do you work for now? What's, what's their name and title? And by the way, you warn them up front that you're going to check references and you're like, okay, who you work for, what's their name and title? Well, I'm not going to reach out without asking them. And then you just, you're like, okay, what were their strengths and weaknesses? And you have them describe them. And then you, once they, right. And they'll try to say the strengths, right. You have to ask them to say the weaknesses. If they emphasize the weaknesses, then that's when you worry about the victim mentality, right. And you have, it depends on what they say and how they say it. But then if you ask the, the real truth serum question is after they've said that, and they know that you check references, you say, okay, now if I reached out to that person for a reference, what are they going to say your strengths and weaknesses are? 
And I've noticed that it, people are remarkably candid. If you're, if you're in a face-to-face -face setting, looking at them across the table, eye to eye, it is like truth serum. And most people cannot lie under that situation, but it, it's, it's super telling what they say about their supervisor and their strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. So, and you can tell a lot about what they're going to be like by how they describe their relationship with their current you know, boss, basically. That's really good. Yeah, I like that. So, yeah, check it out. That's a, that's a good one. And so how's your growth been this year? I mean, it's kind of, you know, kind of a funky year. You know, you talked about kind of green shoots. How's, yeah. how's, how's it been so far? And then maybe like, what's your biggest challenge that you're facing in terms of growing your business right now? And how are you tackling it? Well, those are good questions. I think I've got a lot of stuff on my plate and I, this last year, as I try to delegate things out and move things away, I over-delegated certain things that really needed to stay on my plate. And that was a really like harsh, hard lesson for me to learn over the last couple of months because I had given up one of the key things, which really was the recruiting as aspect. Like I, I thought I could like hire that out and not be as involved in the process. And it's been an eye-opening experience over the last month as I've stepped back into that and doing it at a higher level to really, cause I'm, I help to dictate the culture of the company and I see myself as kind of the, the gatekeeper of the culture. And when I step too far removed from the recruiting aspect and the recruiting process, man, that was like, I just did not get the results. It was, it was like, it was a, it was a shadow of what it could have been. And so as I've stepped back in the last three days, it's night and day different. Not, like, it's like not even the same at all. And it's been amazing where the pipeline of people and, and getting the right people lining up who and the right culture fits. And it's a, it's a dramatic change. And it was just one of the many, many, many lessons <laughs> I've learned as I've been in leadership and, and just how critical it is that I'm so involved with that, pro with that process. A couple things on that. So my, you know, I mentioned earlier, I'm in a business coaching program for software companies. And I mean, basically what he said is as the leader of your organization, I'm the CEO, he said, you know, there, you need to be focused on three things, which is vision, talent, and making sure there's money in the bank. And if you're working on other things, you're probably, you, you need to delegate them. Right. Yeah. And so the focus on talent is, is critical. And one of the things that you kind of just talked about is culture. And that's one of the back to EOS. That's something that's really given us, enlightened us a lot this year, which is the focus on defining your core values and hiring for it. It's, you know, I've heard people say that, but once I started doing it, it's had an enormous impact. Have you, you know, kind of, how do you assess that cultural fit? And, and what are you looking, I mean, you kind of indirectly said that, but do you have kind of defined core values that are part of that, that hiring process yeah. and you're trying to match people to it? Yeah, like we, and we talk about that in our recruiting process. It's one of the first pieces of paper that we give them is a little card that outlines what our value is or what our values are. And the values are for us are they kind of resonate across with a lot of the, the, the Better Homes and Gardens real estate brand, and that is PAGE, which is passion, authenticity, inclusion, growth, and excellence. And those core metrics are like we, we hire to them. We bring people on based on them. We let people go because of them. Like if people don't fit those core metrics, they don't fit that, like, that's cool if they don't want to be with us. And, that, but we are, 
I mean, I've made like different people, we'd, we'd let people go because they weren't inclusive or because they had no desire to be growth minded or they weren't like, they didn't have a high level of excellence. Like but that was, I'm cool with like people not fitting that. They just like, and there's like plenty of other brands and companies out there that they will fit better in. And so it's just finding the right people to fit that. And, and it's not like super strict, but it is like a certain mentality, a certain mindset to fit into the group. Right. Right. And so you kind of describe the screening process once they're on the other side of the table, but like what strategies and tactics do you use to, to source those candidates, you know, to get, get, get them in for an interview that are going to most likely fit that. I think there's kind of two routes that brokerages go to, 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 to hire people. There's a, there's a convincing route where they're like very proactively trying to convince people to join them. And there's a compelling route. It's a route where people are kind of drawn to it. And I'd say we prescribe more to the second route where we do reach out and talk to people, but it's more of like on a compelling basis. It's like introducing people to who we are and our culture and getting a vibe of that and just seeing if they're the right fit. And, and it's not so much us deciding if they're the right fit. We let them decide that. So we create different ways for them to see behind the curtain and see a little bit of what we're offering and just give them permission to be able to see if it's the right fit or not. And just like invite them. So I would say one of the key things, and we do this, I, I think one of the things that I've learned is that you can really tell a culture of a brokerage by how they recruit, because that's how they're going to teach and train their agents of how to get business. Like that, like that's like a model of the mentality and the, of the leadership of how they're going to get business and they're going to teach and train their agents. And so if a, if an agent is turned off by the recruiting tactics and the recruiting methodology of how a brokerage is modeling to, to attract talent, then they're going to, they're going to hate the training programs that are there because they're not going to resonate with it. Like they're like, that's not their style. And I've just found that that's a, like a good indicator of like the, 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 the to see if a, an agent kind of resonates with the, with, with what's being modeled before them with the recruiting process. Well, and, you know, that's a good transition into kind of training and coaching and how to drive agent retention. Like, how do you feel your retention is, or how's your retention and is it changing in the market? And what are you doing to kind of maximize agents' success and, and, and therefore retention? If you would have asked me that question a couple of years ago, uh, two years ago, if you would have asked me that, no, maybe two and a half years ago, I would have been like, dude, you can't, you can't recruit our people. Like, they're unrecruitable. Like, they're here can't get them like they're like tethered to this and then six months later we had like a, a bunch of agents leave i'm like okay maybe, <laughs> that's not the case. Uh, and what i've learned is and like what i've had to make more realization is is that every single one of our agents is one foot out the door at all times they're just one foot out the door and so when i wake up in the morning i'm thinking i've gotta they're all almost gone but they're also kind of here and so how do I make them, like, how do I create value so that they're continually being re-recruited to the brokerage and like, make sure that they feel value to be with us. And so it's created a lot of, a lot of additional, I don't know if I call it pressure, but it just creates a, a, like an awareness for me. And what I've noticed is that most of the time agents leave because they feel like they're outgrowing where they're at. So that puts pressure on me as a leader to make sure that the gap is not closing between my top agents and the agents who are like moving forward and like, and, and, and becoming better versions of themselves. Like it like puts pressure on me to continue to grow and develop as well. Because the minute they start to outpace me, 
they're looking for another place that they can like grow into and they can find a place that that's going to resonate with them. And so how do you specifically quantify that? Is it like their productions up? I mean, are warning signs production up, production down, the number of listings go down? Like, are there kind of like things that you look for that you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, production is one thing, but sometimes people have like life circumstances that's going to mess up their production. I think that like the, the engagement level is a key thing I'm looking at all the time. Like how engaged are they? Are they coming to things? Are they attending things? Are they, are they plugged into us? Because what I know is that they're getting hammered by recruiters from other places all the time. And if they're talking to other people more than us, then that's a, that's not good. Like that's like, they're like, they're, they're being pulled away from us, us emotionally, at least because they're not, they're not plugged into us and they're not seeing value to be plugged in and they're more susceptible to, to leave. And so, and we do different, like one of our things that we, we do is a lot of client events. So we kind of help to create those at the, at the brokerage level. And, and if I've got agents who are not being participating in that and they're not like, not part of that, and they're like, nah, it's not my thing. I don't want to do that. Like that's, I just feel like it's like creating little wedges in that process because they're starting to find, well, you guys are, you guys are doing that. I don't really need that stuff. And like, why am I even here anyway? I don't, I don't even do the stuff you guys are all doing. And it's, it creates a little bit of distance with those people. Mm -hmm. And so how do you know that you made a great hire? Is it at three months, six months? And what do you want to see out of them to, to know that, that, that they, they were, you know, they're, they're kind of long-term going to be a success in your business. That's a good question. The thing that I look for is like, how plugged in are they with all the stuff that we offer? And are they, a, are they a champion for us? Like if I, if I bring someone else in and I introduce them, I want to see like how they describe where they're like, where, like what they, why they joined us, what they, what brought them here, what kind of value they're seeing after several months. Like I'm giving them opportunities to kind of vocally like give a testimonial of their experience and their process. Here. I mean, if they're having success, like that's a huge plus too, but then there's some agents that just takes a little bit longer time, but if they're feeling supported and, and they're feeling that there's like help along the way and they're not feeling like as an outcast or on an island, like that's a critical piece of, of making sure they feel part of the culture. And so for the, you know, the, the, the brokers that are a little earlier in the journey that have embarked on kind of building up their brokerage, but haven't gotten to where you are, you know, looking back, you know, what do you think are some of the keys that, that got you there that, that they need to be thinking about to, uh, you know, to continue to progress on it? So my, our company, we kind of bootstrapped to the, like to where we're at right now. So, but the thing that funded us was my, my production, my, my team's production. So even though we are a brokerage, like I had a small team and that team helped to fund it was kind of a, a critical piece of the process. And, and for me, I had, I wanted to model success. So I could be an example, but it, at the same time, I never wanted my agents to feel like I was competing against them. So I had to make sure that they understood that if they ever went head to head against me, they had it, like it was theirs. Like I was never gonna compete head to head against them, but I was still gonna be in the trenches because I needed to create income because the brokers couldn't afford me. And still to this day, the brokers can't afford me because I make way too much money in the, in the outside market with my, like my team. I barely do real estate time-wise, like I don't spend a lot of time there, but I can able, I'm able to create business and that gives me additional 
I guess, like mental capital to share with the agents because they're going to see, well, look what he's doing. He's doing production. He barely is doing real estate. So what can we learn from that to kind of model what we're teaching to the agents anyway? Okay. And then, so when do you get your, your best work done? Are you a morning person, evening person? Like, in yeah, what I get time in the night. week? Okay, I'm like, I get, like, afternoons is my, I'm like, that's my, that's, like, not, like, strength. Because <laughs> I get tired, and, like, I have, like, a, get a second wind. But mornings, like, I, that's when I'm the most creative. That's where I have, that's where I come up with a lot of my ideas, like, getting involved with videos and doing things like that. Like, that's, I do, I do stand-up comedy, and I do oh, wow. comedic improv. And that's when I, that's when I write my most stuff is in the morning. Like, I get fresh ideas. That's when I'm. When, if, if I'm presenting on stage, I do like, I do MC work and I do, I speak at different like, events across the country. And if I'm doing a presentation, like my mornings are, I can knock that out pretty fast in the morning when my mind's fresh and I've got like flowing ideas. And later in the day, it's just, I kind of have to recharge a little bit. Okay. Well, that covers kind of most of the questions we had for you, unless you had any additional insights or ideas you wanted to kind of pass on to our audience. No, I think this is like, I think the, the, the market's like an interesting one. I think you're going to have, it's going to move in a place where we're going to see a greater divide. And the, the main thing that I would say, and this is when it comes to recruiting and one of the lessons that I've like, have been able to learn a lot lately. And that is like the main reason why people are going to join your company is because of you, like you're the draw that people are coming on board and. And I think too, too many times the leaders like minimize that they try to oversell all their tools and they try to oversell their, their processes and their whatever other thing they're, they're like, well, I don't know, other knickknacks. Like they try to like sell that stuff and like every brokerage has like things, but what, the, what every brokerage doesn't have is you. And like, and, and if you can become a better version of you, that's, what's going to draw people to you. And then that's, they're going to see that. And they're going to say, I want to be with someone like that. I want to be someone who is who has a vision for the future. I want to be around someone who can inspire me to be better. I want to be around someone who can, and I just look at the recruiting game really is like a giant episode of Shark Tank. You have people walking in to the Shark Tank. They've got their businesses, their entrepreneurs, they've got whatever they've got. And they're looking across and they've got all these chairs with all these brokerages sitting there. And the decision is, who do they want to work with? They're going to work with Mark Cuban. They're going to work with Mr. Wonderful. They're going to work whatever, whichever person they're going to like hook their, like their business to. And that's like, that's the recruiting process is that they're sitting in this shark tank and they're like trying to decide who is the person. And if you wa ever watch that show shark tank, like some people are a better fit than other ones right. and not. Everything. And so it's just, and, and it's, it's both ways, right? Because they're trying to sell too, to get, you know, money. And I guess the broker equivalent is they're trying to assess where they're going to make the most money, but of course, a lot of people aren't just focused on money, right? They're focused on the overall impact on their life, inc including sure. kind of relationships and quality of life. So cool. Okay. Well, thanks so much for your insight and joining us today. Where can our listeners find you online? You can find me on Instagram. I'm on Facebook, Aaron Russell. I'm the only Aaron Russell in the world. So I, I kind of looked that on that. So it's not too, D-R-U-S-S-E-L. I'm all over the place and we're actually launching TikTok, so that should be exciting but yeah that's well, uh, i'm out there well that must be nice having a unique name because there's very easy gym turners in the world so. yeah, it's, it's like it's super nice the worst part is like if you cur if you go in and, and get the name then 
if you forget the password or whatever it is and you can't remember, like that's always tricky. Cause I like my very first Twitter, I'm like, oh, I got Aaron Dressel, but I can't remember. And that email account doesn't exist anymore. So I'm like, oh, well, I'll start another one. So yeah, it's all good. Well, I did get the jimturner.com domain many, many years ago. And I get, I get emails every now and again from people trying to buy it away from me. Oh, I bet. That's awesome. Yeah, Aaron Dressel, I'm not, I'm not even worried about that one going away. Who's going to buy that dumb thing? Yeah, exactly. You never know, right? If you enjoyed our show, please add a rating for us on Apple or Spotify podcasts. And be sure to come back next time to hear more strategies that will help you grow your business. Until then, this is Jim Turner. And don't forget, you need to start putting some of these tips to work today. This podcast was created and hosted by Jim Turner. It was recorded and produced by Cassandra Lopez. The Broker Growth Accelerator podcast is a product of BrokerKit.